All right, psychology nerds, and welcome to another episode of Psychology and Stuff, the podcast out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. I'm Allison Jane Martingano, the new host of Psychology and Stuff. Today, we're tackling a topic that many of us grapple with how to motivate yourself to meet your New Year's fitness goals. I'm here with three wonderful guests to talk about this topic. First, Dr. Joanna Morrissey, who is the chair of the Sport, Exercise, and Performance Psychology Program here at UWGB. Her research is on how motivation and thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and social cultural factors can influence sport and exercise participation. She also happens to share the office next to mine down the corridor. So how are you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you, Carol and Megan. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, so before I get uh, dived in and started, I'm, I'm just curious, do you yourself have any New Year's fitness goals? I um I do not have any New Year's fitness goals. Um, and we can talk maybe more more about that. Um, and, but generally, when when I have intentions and or goals or resolutions that I want to make, I I make them um in that moment or at that time. Um, ah. and, and make efforts and actions to follow through with them. All right. Yeah, I feel like there's there's uh there's more to be dug into there that maybe. <laughs> Maybe setting goals at New Year isn't the best way to go about it, but we'll we'll swing back to that later. Yeah. Uh, so next, I want to introduce Carol and Megan, who are fitness instructors at the Green Bay Jazzercise Group. Uh, it's lovely to see you both. Uh, how are you doing? Good. Big jazz hands. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Uh, so for our listeners who aren't familiar with Jazzercise, could you explain what it is briefly? Sure. Um, and, and Megan, you can jump in anytime. Jazzercise started in 1969. It is a dance fitness class. Um, even though it started in 69, it's definitely evolved and it's still going strong. You think about all the other trends that have come and gone in the last 50 plus years and um, it's still going strong. Dance space with some strength training involved. Um, and um, what what else, Megan? I think you nailed it. <laughs> uh, it keeps us current on all the uh, current music. That's for sure. Awesome. Uh, and and Carol and Megan, do you have any New Year's fitness goals? I would have to say my New Year's fitness goal is to uh, tackle a little bit more strength training. Mm -hmm. um, I'm of the age where strength training becomes um, even more important. And even though we have it's jazzercise is 40 minutes of aerobic dance and 20 minutes of strength training. I find that's probably not enough for me at this point in my life. So that's my goal. Cool. Megan, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I think I, you know, I was just thinking today about how I need to um, get to class more often when I'm not teaching <clears throat> um, it's a very different experience being up on stage and um, teaching a classroom full of people versus being down on the floor as a student. And I, I need to get myself in there more as a student, I think, this year. Oh, wow. Wow. I never would have thought about it from that from that perspective. You know, when we see all you instructors up at the front and you all look so impressive, we're like, oh, wow, they must get like six workouts a week. So, <laughs> so hey, you know, seeing it from the other side. 
Uh, so I'm going to start off our chat uh, with discussing actually a research paper uh, by a Portuguese research team uh, who, who studied motivation and fitness. And they studied this back in 2019. So that's pre-pandemic, which right now feels like a world uh, mm -hmm. in the past. Uh, they studied uh, 575 gym goers and they found three key elements that predict exercise persistence. Uh, and so they were intrinsic motivation, satisfaction of basic psychological needs and enjoyment. And that sounds a little confusing, but luckily I have Joanna here to help me unpack these uh, and to help us figure out how they can help us stick to our fitness resolutions. So Joe, starting yeah. off with intrinsic motivation, what on earth is that and how does it differ from extrinsic motivation? Okay. Yes. So um, we do have two types of motivation, one being intrinsic motivation and two being extrinsic motivation. And when we think about health behaviors and physical activity and exercise um, in particular, intrinsic being intrinsically motivated is coming from reasons, aka motives, that are internal to us. So that might be for um, health reasons, that might be for enjoyment, whereas extrinsic motivation or extrinsic reasons that are external, right? Outside of ourselves. So that might be, um, that could be because they, someone thinks my doctor is telling me to exercise and I have to go, an exercise. Um, it might be because, oh, well, my friends and my, it's important to my friends and my family, or I'm doing it because I want to spend time with my family and my friends. Um, and that enjoyment piece could still come along with that, uh, doing it with your friends and your family. But if it's becoming more of like controlling of extra, I'm doing it for because they want me to, they want me there. Um, or again, it's like a uh, doctor prescribes outside of you, external, those would be examples of extrinsic motivation. Awesome. Thanks for explaining that and those those examples. So which one's more effective for long-term exercise persistent, the intrinsic or the, the extrinsic? It depends. Um, it, it really truly is what, what is going to keep the individual person motivated. And for, and for some people, having an extrinsic motivator can keep them going and going and going for years and years and years. And that is okay. And I, and I do want to emphasize that point. I think oftentimes um, in the exercise psych literature or even in general population, we think that extrinsic motivation or being uh, motivated by something outside of us is not as good as intrinsic motivation, or we should avoid being extrinsically motivated. Um, but if that's what works for the person, then like we want to encourage that. Um, but generally what what evidence would say and what you know the research would suggest is that the more intrinsically motivated we are, the more likely we are going to adhere over a long period of time, right? Like having having the new year, like a new year is an extrinsic motivator, right? And that's great. It's a great way to jumpstart our activity or our exercise. And then what we hope is that over time, we start to develop an enjoyment for it. We start to develop satisfaction with what it's doing for our mental health, our physical health, our social health. 
And then it slowly changes. So really we do see, we see motivation on a continuum that for a lot of folks, they may start some type of behavior being extrinsically motivated. And then over time, move toward more of what uh, is autonomous motivation um, or being intrinsically motivated um, is on, you know, one end of the continuum. Um, so from an adherence perspective, I would say long-term intrinsic motivation is going to better predict that, uh, that persistence and adherence for, you know, years to come. Yeah. And so I'm hearing when you're saying this, that, that the new year and making those new year's resolutions as so many of us do is, is an extrinsic motivator that may really only last for a short period of time, maybe. And is that one of the reasons why you don't make new year's fitness goals? Yeah. And I, and I will say like, there is, again, there's nothing wrong with waiting to start at the beginning of a month, waiting to start at the beginning of the week, waiting to start at the beginning of the year. Yet. I also want people to know you don't have to wait until the start of a month. You don't have to wait until the start of a new year, a start of a new week. You can start whenever you like to, but again, people do often just need that jump start motivator and something like the new year is a great, a great time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for explaining that. Uh, so what are some of the things that we can do to make that shift from being extrinsically motivated to being intrinsically motivated? How can we make ourselves more intrinsically motivated? Yep. So um, the art, the article that you mentioned talked about fulfilling our basic psychological needs. And mm -hmm. so our basic psychological needs are informed by um, a theory called self-determination theory. Um, and it's by Dr. DC and Dr. Ryan. Um, and it really is um, talking about how being uh, how fulfilling these three basic psychological needs can increase intrinsic motivation. And so these basic psychological needs that we all have um, to feel self-determined are going to be autonomy, which is having some sort of decision-making over the activities we want to participate in, right? So instead of maybe having a doctor prescribe you, well, you need to do this much um, walking, running, this much resistance training, that you're part of that conversation in terms of this is what I want to do, right? That's beneficial for my health. So having that autonomy, part of the decision-making process of the type of physical activity or exercise you want to participate in. The next one is going to be relatedness. So that really is a sense of belonging, okay? So being able to have other people care about your health, other people support you. And I think jazzercise is perfect for this, right? <laughs> like it creates that environment and also creates that sense of accountability too. You know, you're gone for a week and people start like, worrying where you are and then, and then you come back and they're so happy that that you are back and checking in on you and you develop those really close relationships okay so that's the second component of self-determination theory and then the third is competency which is is confidence like how competent do i feel that i can do an entire class of jazzercise Okay. And that varies. Like, do they have the conditioning to be able to go? Um, it's a 60 minute class. Is that right? So 40 minutes, yeah, 40 minutes and then 20 minutes. So, um, of strength training. So do they have the confidence to be able to do that entire class? And they may not at the beginning of the new year or the time, um, but they slowly build up toward that conditioning. And now I feel confident. And because of that, I'm going to keep going. 
right? Like I, I feel I have the efficacy to be able to do the exercise. I feel confident when I go to the gym and knowing how to use the machines, right? Like knowing how to unrack a bar, re-rack a bar, you know, those kinds of things. Those are really, uh, you know, important um, in terms of facilitating or increasing someone's level of confidence related to the activity. So those three things, if we fulfill those three things, those generally are going to be, um, according to self-determination theory, the way that we can increase intrinsic motivation. Wow, cool. So lots of awesome tips there for, for how to get yourself more intrinsically motivated. Just to recap that, that was increasing our feelings of autonomy, that we have control, uh, feeling uh, a sense of relatedness and belonging and connection with other people and and feeling competent, which I think is the possibly the one I struggle with uh, the most. In that paper that we were talking about, though, the other thing they said that's really important, which I really picked up on, is enjoyment. So I think like we all know what it means to sort of enjoy something. And, and this research suggests that enjoying exercise is critical to persisting with it, which totally makes sense. Uh, yes. But I guess my question is, how do we find the exercise that we enjoy? Yes, I, lo I love that question. And that and that I feel is really something that I would like people to reflect on is finding something that you do enjoy, because it makes it that much easier to do, right? If like, if you're doing something because you think this is what I should be doing, right? Like it's that controlling aspect, I should do this, I see other people doing this, but you don't enjoy it, it just makes it that much tougher to participate in that activity. And when, when you enjoy it, and if that means that you are moving your body in some capacity, that is way better, way better for your health than it is inconsistent practice of an activity that you do not enjoy doing. Um, and so I think, you know, a few things here is, is being open to try a variety of different activities. Um, they can be super unconventional. They do not have to be your typical ways of moving your body. Any movement is good for your body. It is good for your mind. So um, while yes, we would want to be doing some aerobic activity and some strength training activities to meet the general uh, recommended guidelines for, for folks, Still, I think the important thing is, is that you are moving your body and doing that in a way that, that you enjoy it. Um, and along with that too, is move, move your body when you want to move your body. Like sometimes we might hear that, oh, well, exercising in the morning is the best time for, for, Hey, if you are not a morning person, do not force yourself to try to work out or exercise in the morning. Do it at a time that you find enjoyable, because again, that's going to result in that adherence, the persistence, the consistency, which ultimately is going to have positive benefits on your mental uh, and, and physical health. Uh, it's it's so good to hear you say that, Joe, because well, I, 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 I remember when I was younger, I, I used to try running. I, I thought running was what the fairly fit people did. It turns out I hated running. I would get out of breath and sweaty and I'd, I'd get a stitch in my side and pains and cramps. And I just I was just terrible at running. I hated it. But for some reason, it really took me a long time to figure out I don't have to run. I could do something else. <laughs> and it's it's odd how we get ourselves stuck in like, this is the thing I'm going to do and try and do it, even though it's maybe not really working for us. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I do have a couple more questions while I have you here. 
Um, so I was, I'm, as uh, many of you know, I'm getting married soon. Uh, and so I had a, a lot of fitness uh, inspiration to get uh, toned up and, and, and get fit for, for my wedding. And I know a lot of people have goals like this for me for a vacation or, or something that, that's coming up. And I was thinking about what you were saying earlier about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. And I'm assuming that's a firmly an extrinsic motivator is an event like that. Uh, so do you have any sort of advice for me? Uh, I'm currently feeling pretty motivated, but when you come back and I've had my wedding or when you come back from your vacation, how to get back into the swing of things? Yes. Good. Um, so so I, lo I love theory um, and, and really trying to explain or understand exercise participation uh, through different theoretical perspectives. And so again, like having an, having an event like a wedding, fantastic to use that as an extrinsic motivator. Absolutely. But you nailed it in terms of, okay, well, when I come back, then what am I going to use as, as my motivation? And so what we might, what, what I might recommend is we have a, a different health behavior theory is something called um, theory of planned behavior. And it's an extension of theory of reasoned action. And one, one of the components of it is about potentially thinking of having to create a new belief toward the activity or toward the exercise. So where you might be doing yoga um, or whatever activity it is that you are doing in preparation for the wedding, that that is great. But now when you come back, I'm going to continue to participate in this because it's good for my health. And you shift the perspective. And it may be an entirely new belief system that that or, or belief pattern um, uh, that you have and or creating a new value for it, right? So you still want to participate in it, but now just your belief system has has shifted a little bit in that, okay, it may not it may not always be enjoyable, and I may not always want to do it, but this is important because I value my health. This is important because I believe that it's going to be good for my mental health. I believe that it's going to be good for my physical health. And we hope that that new belief system or more of an emphasis on that belief system can overcome the desire to maybe not go um, or take over more of that uh, intrinsic motivation rather than being that extrinsic motivation that was prior to a big event. Yeah. Yeah. So shifting it into a, a different sort of uh, reason or a goal or aim I wonder, thinking about sort of thinking, I, I'm going to exercise because it's good for me. It's good for my physical health. It's good for my mental health. How much do we need to sort of see progress in order to to keep those beliefs alive? So I'm thinking, you know, obviously, if you see in the mirror, like your muscle getting more toned, that's that's going to be great. But some of those like mental health benefits maybe are less obvious. And so how do we sort of see it working, I guess? Yes, um, I I am a big proponent, and literature would support this as well. Is tracking progress is is big for adherence as well, and some of these psychological characteristics or mental health characteristics can certainly be tracked as well. So, if we think of someone who has a chronic um, a chronic disease or illness, and they are exercising um, in order to reduce pain we might track their pain level or pain intensity. And it could be as simple as using like face emojis, you know, just like different, like 
when you go to the doctor, it's the same thing, a happy emoji, uh, just kind of a neutral face um, and have them just track that after every single workout to see as we continue to exercise, does the frequency or does the intensity of my pain lessen over time? Um, we might do the same thing with energy level. So have them track on, maybe it is just a Likert scale from one to 10, one no energy to 10, a ton of energy throughout the day and see if that matches up with, with their exercise over time that they have more energy, that their sleep, maybe it's their sleep and we're tracking their sleep. It might be focus and concentration at work. The more that they exercise or are active throughout the workday, do we see a change or an increase in their focus and concentration? And again, we may just do that through some sort of Likert scale that they quickly, you know, circle on the number um, at the end of the day um, in and sort of assess and track progress that way. Awesome. Yeah. So it doesn't actually necessarily have to be something physical. We could make our own notes, keep our own journal, our diary of, of what's going on and, and track our progress that way. I love that idea. I might actually start doing that, have a little notebook, uh, keeping ideas down. Thank you so much, Joe. I, I'm going to pull in our other two guests now, uh, Carol and Megan, uh, to sort of talk about um, how we can use some of this sort of theory that you've been talking about and how they apply it in the classes that they run. Uh, so I have to say, when I moved here to, to Green Bay what, about a year and a half ago now, uh, I went looking for a fitness routine that I would enjoy, and, and I was so lucky enough to find one that I loved instead. So I'm really thrilled to have Megan and Carol join us today. Uh, so thank you so much for being here. You've now heard what Joe had to say about sort of the, the theory on how to reach your fitness goals, and I'd love for you to talk to me about what you do as instructors to, to make this happen. Um, <clears throat> I'll chime in here. I think one of the reasons that Jazzercise is such a successful program is because it truly is for everybody. Um, we, it is dance fitness based. So, but we always show ways to modify. So we have, we have such a broad, um, age range that come to our classes. We have young women all the way up to women, sometimes in their eighties that come, we show low impact options for people that like, we may have people that have had knee replacements, hip replacements, back problems, you know, the whole gamut of things. Um, and the same thing with our strength training, we will bring it to the floor, but we always tell everybody you do not have to go to the floor. That's that's always an option to remain standing if that's not your thing. Um, so I think we really check all the boxes when it comes to just really being for everybody um, and just keeping it kind of motivating for that reason too. I think yeah. competency too comes pretty quickly. Um, the program, it's an amazing product, you know, and as fitness instructors, I love trying all different things that, that come you know, to the fore in the new trends, we go out and try them all. And we, you know, then we say, oh, comparatively, we still love what we do and like to see what everybody else is doing. Um, but I know that there are times where I've gone to other dance-based classes and I felt like I teach this and I'm having trouble following what they're doing. I feel like everybody knows the line dance, but me, right? So we're really good at cueing, at offering, um, you know, repetitive kind of movements. Um, and so everyone feels lost their first class, but within a couple of classes, you feel like, okay, um, now I'm up to par with everyone else. And we always say, when in doubt, just march it out, do your own thing. It doesn't matter as long as you're moving. <laughs> 
I can I can definitely attest to that one. So when I first joined you, I just suck at dancing, period. I am not a very coordinated person, <laughs> as you two know very well. Um, and yet somehow I, I even I managed to sort of get into the rhythm. And it is such a wonderful feeling when you do have that moment of competence and when you do suddenly know where your feet are going and you're and you're in time with everybody else. And 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 it's great to feel that when the whole room is is doing something together. And I, I think that comes back to that other idea of, about relatedness that that Joe is talking about. I wonder if you could speak a little bit about the community and everybody together. Yeah, I think the buddy system, you know, gets people in the door a lot. They'll bring their friends um, and having that accountability. Now, that might be extrinsic, as Joe mentioned, but it quickly becomes intrinsic because we miss you when you're not here. Um, and then sort of the benefits start growing from there. Um, but I think the community, I mean, everyone's welcome. You'll notice that we never have mirrors, We're, even if we have jazzercise um, franchises across the globe. And if they're in a designated space, there are never mirrors because you're not there to compete. You're not there to compare. You're just there to enjoy the music and just, you know, and one another. Um, so I think that sense of community and you can go, we, I encourage our students, like wherever you travel, pop into a jazzercise class anywhere around the globe. You're going to find that same sense of camaraderie at every class you go to. It's, it's really amazing. I always feel that way too. Like we, we have something special with the people that we get walking through our doors. Um, it's one of the first things I say when we have new students come in is, oh my gosh, you're just going to love the ladies are going to love everybody here. Everybody's so sweet. Um, and, and it really is, it becomes like, and I'm sure Carol can attest to this too. Sometimes, you know, our class is starting and everybody's chit chatting and it, you don't want to interrupt them because you can tell that they just, they need that, that time. Um, but, and I think with the way our program is set up too, and I can speak personally to this when I started jazzercising, which was, Gosh, my daughter was six months old and she's 18 now. Um, I had tried a lot of different things and didn't hold my interest. Um, and when I started jazzercising, I remember telling my husband, I forget that I'm doing something good for myself because it's so much fun. Like I love the music. I love the movements. And I just kind of, I, I forgot that I was working out and doing something good. So and I'm with you, Allison. There was a time in my life where friends and family were doing marathons and, and I attended these marathons to cheer them on. And they were so inspiring. I thought, dang, I'm going to be a runner. Well, I wanted to be a runner. I just never <laughs> wanted to run. And so, <laughs> so finding that niche, like this is what I love. I love music. I love moving to music. Um, that made all the difference for me. And I've been doing it since, you know, the early 80s to give you an idea when we used to wear the leg warmers and uh, oh I wish they brought those leg warmers back <laughs> that should definitely be a thing I'm I'm 100% for that they it may, it may come back you never <laughs> everything does I think uh, uh, I think you guys are, are spot on at least I, I know everybody's cup of tea will be different and I think it's really important that Joe's saying you know try different things until you find what you want but for me jazzercise was so much fun and I think uh, I definitely resonate with what you were saying Megan about like 
um, forgetting that you're, you're exercising. And I think, you know, you found the exercise for you when you forget halfway through that you're, you're actually exercising. That's, that's the key. That's the thing to get to. And I'd like to just, uh, ask you to reflect if you can a little on, on how as instructors you do that, like, um, pump up the class. I mean, maybe you come into a class and they're kind of low that day. Do you have techniques or strategies you do and that people could maybe even use on themselves to get pumped up? I guess I, I don't stop talking <laughs> and I always tell people like, that's okay. You don't have to talk. I'll do it for you. Like I'll, sometimes I'll, you know, ask questions to the class and I'll hear nothing and I'll just kind of keep going and talking. And, um, I personally am a huge music nerd. So I get ridiculously excited about like new routines coming in and songs that I've heard on the radio that are now a routine that I might bring into my set and be like, oh my gosh, guys, you're going to love this so much. So I think just my excitement hopefully kind of resonates to them um, and kind of gets them excited for the class. And I think I, I tell I tell the classes, and, and I should say, we're saying ladies, but guys too, right? Um, especially around the globe. In some countries, guys are the entire class, but in the U.S., wow. We tend to be a little bit more skewed to the female. We might have to get more information on that, Carol. Later. We definitely do. <laughs> um, anyway, I usually, this time of year, especially when it's dark outside and it's cold and you, either you're leaving work or you had to run home and it's hard to get out again. Um, I usually just tell them, look, all you got to do is show up, just walk in the door, give yourself permission to just barely move, just show up. And by the time you get here, by the time you're in the first or second song, you better believe you're into it. You're having a great time. So give yourself permission to do low impact, to do the slightest movement. And before you know it, you're going all out. Yeah. And I think that that speaks to that autonomy bit that we were talking about earlier, because oftentimes people might be reluctant to sign up to a group fitness class because it in some way takes away your autonomy. You have to do the same moves as everybody else. But you're sort of suggesting that there is flexibility in that and you can choose to modify or do something different. Absolutely. Pick your days as well. You know, we have five classes uh, a week, so pick your days and uh, come when you want. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, so we, we are coming to the end of, of our session. So I want to uh, wrap things up by asking you each to share your own personal motivation strategy. What gets you up on this snow and blizzardy day? I should mention to our listeners, because there'll be a delay on production of this episode, that we are currently recording in the middle of a blizzard. <laughs> so on days like this, what do you do to, to get yourself going? Maybe we could start with you, Joe. Sure. Um, so my my favorite form of of movement is strength training. Um, I really do enjoy it. And to Carol's comment earlier about um, the significant health benefits that we that we do see from strength training um, and even seeing more research now about the importance of strength training as we age for for overall health. Um, and so, you know, for me, it is a lot of just discipline. It it is the first thing that I do when I wake up. And so it is just a habit that I have developed. Um, and it just is just like brushing my teeth. I mean, just like I brush my teeth, I go and um, strength train to sing some capacity. Um, 
tomorrow I'll have to do it in my basement and it'll be modified. Um, but it's still going to be some type of, of movement. So, um, but it is something that I truly enjoy. Um, and a lot of that is coming to master form and technique for, for lifting. Um, I really do like to, to focus on seeing progress and improvement in, um, in the way that I move my body and that's form and technique and strength training provides me the opportunity to see that type of progression. So I would say that that is one of the motivators for, for me as it relates to strength training. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Mm -hmm. How about you, Megan? Um, <clears throat> my motivation, um, just because jazzercise is kind of, you know, that's what I do for my fitness, um, is definitely just the people and knowing that, they motivate me just as much as I motivate. They tell me I motivate them. Sometimes I don't understand that, but um, they are such a huge motivator just with the smiles when they come into class. And um, you can tell a lot of times, like Carol says something that I actually will say in class, I will quote her in class. And Carol says that jazzercise keeps us out of jail because, you know, you could have the worst day, <laughs> but you come to that class and you're, you know, you're doing a cardio routine that has like some air punching in it and you just feel better. Um, so my motivation is really just the other people that are there. I think that's a good point. I would agree with that as well, Megan, everybody has a different objective. And when you have students that come up to you and said, I've been doing this for eight months now, I just had my phys physical and my you know, cholesterol is way down. And I know it's because of the class. It just makes you feel so good, you know, as like, oh, I'm so glad to be part of this journey. What what else can I do to help you? Um, and everybody has their own objectives. And it's so nice to get you going. It really does. And I have to say, I, you know, I've been an instructor for 15 years and that makes me accountable. There's a lot of work as instructors and professors, you know, there's a lot of work before you go into the classroom. And we have to do a lot of work in learning and perfecting and putting together this formulaic set. And that's fun. <laughs> it takes some time, but then, you know, it's also performance. And, and I love, I dig the performance. I, I definitely relate to that as a totally different kind of instructor that going into my classroom by the, uh, by the blackboard is, is also a performance. And I have my teacher voice that all, you know, comes out and all that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, a huge thank you uh, to Joe, Carol, and Megan for coming on Psychology and stuff and, and sharing your insights with me. Uh, I think this has been a, a great episode with a lot of really practical tips uh, for our listeners this week, which is, is fantastic. So Psychology and Stuff is a production of the Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. The executive producer is Ryan Martin, and the production manager is Rachel Scray. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salek, and our graphic designer is Kimberly Release. Special thanks to our guests today, Dr. Joanna Morrissey, Carrick, Carol Castle, and Megan Valley. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwgb.edu slash podcasts, to check out past episodes of this and all of our shows. I'm your host, Allison Jane Martin-Gano. Keep being amazing.